This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. Here to answer your questions. Here, whatever you want to know, whatever you need, and now's the time to ask. You can get us by calling in toll-free 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882, and we'll try to we'll get to your questions. We'll answer them. If I don't have an answer, that can happen. Then I will get an answer, and we will talk talk to you uh, live next week. Or if you leave me your email, you can email me at drjeff at petliferadio.com, drjeff at petliferadio.com, and I can go ahead and answer you directly. So anyway, I'll tell you, as you know, I don't usually complain much about the cold here in sunny Southern California. It is cold. We have gotten some, one of the, our local, not local, it's about five hours away, called Mammoth Mountain. They've got nine inches in the last couple of days. Utah has, I think, 10 or 12 inches, Park City. So it is snowing like crazy. Even our local mountains, which are really not that great, Big Bear and Snow Summit, they have like, you know, a base of, of 10, 12 inches already. So, um, and this was all in the last week. It's crazy. So anyway, it's getting cold. And whenever it gets cold, you know, I spend so much time during the spring and summer, you know, you're out there, you're exercising. We worry about the dangers of overexerting your pets and when, what, uh, you know, what you can do and when to exercise them and how much to exercise them and how to know if they're overheating, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? There are a lot of issues with cold weather as well. And I want to cover some of those issues uh, today. And in the second part of the show, I just um, hung up with uh, John, who has Peppy over at AirVet. And uh, for those of you who haven't signed up yet, you got to sign up on AirVet. It's me. And all, all the other symptoms, I'm thinking it's something else is going on. But then I saw pictures, and he showed me the ear up front, up close and personal, as we say. And um, no, this is a problem. So we're going to talk about ears in the second part of the show. So first of all, I want to really, you think it, it's uh, not that important, but cold weather can be extremely dangerous for our pets as well. If you ever saw that movie, I think it was called The Eight Below or whatever, it was with the sled dogs. Even they, as you saw, when uh, if they're not moving around, even it's too cold for a husky and a Malamute and all those, I, you know, those Arctic breeds as well. So first of all, when it's this time of year, just like spring and summer, we want to start with a health exam, a good health exam, because that's very important. Because we have to know that cold weather, and anyone who has arthritis knows this, what happens in the morning when you first get up and your, and your joints are cold and they've frozen, they haven't moved a lot, you are really stiff. Well, same thing with our pets. So cold weather worsens arthritis. So it's a very important to know your own dog's limits. And uh, we say that, that the, uh, oftentimes the small, short-coated dogs are most susceptible to the cold. And um, that's why I always say when we talk about that, you see these little guys, the Pomeranians and the Chihuahuas and the Dachshunds, and, and they're out walking, and the, the little Maltese, and the, you know, all the, the Yorkies, the Shitus, and the, the Los Opsos, and people see them on these really funky sweaters, and they start laughing, and oh my God, look at that, lady spending all the money on the sweaters. No, no, no. Those sweaters are really important. What happens is the larger the body surface area in relation to the body weight and smaller breeds have larger surface area exposed per pound of body weight than a big dog. 
So therefore, the ability to lose their body heat to the outside cold weather is much greater. And they do, which is why it is very, very important to get them somehow bundled up. So when you see those people walking with those sweaters and those outfits, don't laugh because those little guys need it. And also, obviously, you want to take shorter walks. It's better to take more frequent but shorter walks because the longer they're out at any one time exposed to the elements, the more dangerous it is for them. Now, animals, if you have dogs or pets at all that have either like diabetes or heart disease or kidney disease like a cat or any kind of hormonal imbalance like even Cushing's disease, they have a much more difficult time regulating their body temperature. So therefore, it's so important to keep these things in mind that if a normal dog, um, let's say you have two dogs and you have two Labradors, for example, big, strong, healthy dogs, and they love going out and playing in the cold weather and the snow. But if one of those dogs has Cushing's disease, which can happen, or diabetes or heart disease, they have a more difficult time regulating the body temperature. So you can't necessarily treat them the same because they're really not the same. And uh, so that's important to keep in mind. And uh, also the age extremes, this applies to them as well. And that is that the older, the very old and the very young have a much more difficult time regulating their body temperature. So again, if you have a puppy, even though he's a stud, he's going to be a big boy when he grows up, when he's a puppy, they have a more difficult time regulating. You might want to keep that in mind as well. Now, also, depending on where they sleep makes a difference. For example, if you have a, a central heat in your house, but you know, you say, you know what, in the laundry room, I'm not going to keep the heat on the laundry room. I'm going to waste some money, and it could be a waste of money. So you want to be to know that if your dog, however, or your cats cuddle up in the laundry room, you may have to either keep the heat there as well if the thermostat hits that spot or get a space heater. If you're going to get a space heater, by the way, of course, be very, very careful. No exposed cords and put something in the way that they just can't get super up and close to the space heater. But again, make sure where they're sleeping is not too bad. If you have an outdoor dog, for example, now, look, I don't know many people that have indoor-outdoor dogs, like mine are indoor-outdoor, but at night, oh my God, not only are they indoors, they're in the bed with us. So you want to keep that in mind. We're cheating. I don't have them in bed just so they can stay warm. They keep me warm. So, so it's the best. Who, who needs a, a, you know, a heated blanket when you have a dog or a cat snuggling up next to you? So um, during the day, if you can, even though they usually go in and out, you want to keep them indoors as much as possible. And if they need to be outside or if you're going to keep them outside, here are a few things to keep in mind. Number one, they must have shade protection from the wind. And as anyone who lives in Chicago knows, yes, it's cold, but with wind chill or Green Bay, Wisconsin, with wind chill, it is 10 times worse. So very important that they have some sort of a barricade. Another thing is if it's really cold, like freezing, dogs can tolerate it okay, as long as they can move around and run around, but their water sits in a water bowl, right? And once it hits below 32, that water is going to turn to ice and the dog won't be able to drink the ice. So therefore, there are many alternatives. There's some great heated, safe, heated water bowls that just keeps the water from freezing, and that would be a great idea. So if you need to um, have dogs outside during the day, make sure they have shelter from the cold, make sure they have a nice warm blanket. If you have a dog house, if you keep your dogs in a dog house, put a heater in there. You can do it safely. And um, so just get a, a safe heater, a, again, a space heater, something you might be able to hang up on the ceiling a little bit and just to keep them warm. That is really, really important. Now, this is also very important. And that is this. 
your cats might be indoor only or indoor outdoor, but spend more time indoor, especially during the winter. My cats, five of them, are all indoor only. But when you're in cold climate and you have a cat that's outdoors or a stray cat, you know where they find a lot of warmth? They find a lot of warmth on the engine block of a car that had been driven during the day. And those engine blocks keep their heat for a long time. So what happens? The cats know this already. They're smart. They learn. They go up under a car. They jump up through the, uh, the engine compartment and they lie down and oftentimes fall asleep right on top of the warm engine block where it's shielded. Obviously, the hood of the car is down. So they're shielded from the cold, the elements. They're shielded from the wind. They're sitting on a nice warm engine block. So what happens? They're so comfy, they fall asleep. Now, next morning, you come outside. You get in your car, right? You wipe the snow from the windshield. And then what do you do? You put the key in the ignition, you start the car, and you might hear the most horrendous scream on the planet. It is very dangerous. So what I recommend, if you live in an area where it is freezing and cars are parked along the street, when you go to your car in the morning, take your hand and bang on the hood a couple of times, hopefully wake up any sleeping cat that might be sleeping under the hood on your engine block and prevent them from literally being torn apart by the fan belt. It is or the fan. It is really, I fortunately have never witnessed it. We don't have that problem typically here in LA, but I will tell you, there are, you, I, I've heard about it and they say it is a deafening cry. So you do not want to do that. So I encourage everybody that to go ahead, bang on the hoods of your cars in the morning when you're going outside. Pause, check the feet. There's a lot of crud that's out there, especially during the snow. It could be clumps of ice. It could be any chemical or even salt that the municipalities put on their sidewalks and streets to help melt the ice. So what happens is the dogs and cats will go in there and they're walking around and then they get this stuff stuck on there. So you might want to think about not only sweaters, especially for the small breeds, but booties. Put something on their feet. Every time you you know you walk, you want to leave it on all day. But when you're taking them for a walk outside, you might want to put some foot protection on their feet to um, prevent them from getting anything stuck uh, inside their feet. And also a good idea is even if you don't do that, when you come in from the walk to turn each foot upside down or, or like this and clean it out, make sure there's nothing stuck in there. Always, as always, a collar and an ID, um, some sort of microchip in addition to a collar and an ID tag. You never know if an animal is going to get out. Sometimes they will try. It's a, that's just basic. We always talk about don't leave your pet in a hot car during the spring and summer. Well, guess what? You don't want to leave them in a cold car either because there's very little place they can start moving to really get their body temperature up. And no matter how hard you try, uh, there is a problem. Speaking of cars, speaking of cars, antifreeze. Antifreeze is highly toxic to pets, something called ethylene glycol, and it can cause kidney damage. And dogs, believe it or not, most ethylene glycol has a sweet taste. As a matter of fact, there was a little girl, I think she was 12, and she had her dog die of this. And she went on a national campaign with the help of her parents. And now, interestingly, most of the antifreeze companies put bitters in their antifreeze. So it doesn't affect the antifreeze itself. It still maintains its efficacy when it comes to preventing the freezing of the radiator water. However, it tastes terrible. So dogs are less likely to lap up the, any dripping from a car from antifreeze. But those are the newer ones. There's still plenty of antifreezes out there or probably some generic companies that make antifreeze that are not doing that. And therefore, I strongly advise you to keep your pets away from antifreeze. And before we go on a break, which is coming up, 
how do you recognize signs of hypothermia? How do you know? So first of all, you're going to have your dogs that are all of a sudden becoming very lethargic, very stiff, not wanting to move. You can actually sometimes see the frost around their faces. And if they are feeling, if their body skin is feeling very cold to the touch, then they are probably becoming hypothermic. I think everybody in the medicine cabinet should own a rectal thermometer for your dogs. Any one of us out there who have, you know, who are older and have old kids, we know that that's all there was. The most accurate way to take a temperature was a rectal thermometer. And you can't put an oral thermometer in a dog under his tongue and tell him, okay, don't bite down. So forget that. You got to go rectal. And you should know the normal body temperature is from 100.5, typically to 102.5. If the dog was just outside and running around, it might, might be 103, which is okay still as they're acting totally normally. However, if they're becoming hypothermic and it's getting down to 97, 98 or lower, this is a problem. So buy a rectal thermometer. They're really inexpensive. Uh, you can even get a digital one now. Really inexpensive. And um, I would 100% start, take a dog's temperature, get them used to it. You should know how to look at it. Again, with um, it always blew my mind how people didn't know how to read the old glass thermometers with the mercury in it. And they'd sit there and they, they, couldn't, get, they couldn't figure it out. Now they're digital. There's no excuse. So pick up a thermometer, know your dog's normal body temperature, and take it if there's any doubt if your dog might be hypothermic, which is low temperature. And anyway, don't go away. We'll be right back after these short messages. We're going to talk about some ear stuff. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Dot com. And welcome back. You're here live again with Dr. Jeff. And by the way, I um, hope all of you had a really great Thanksgiving. Hope your dogs or your cats didn't get to any trouble. Um, I had to miss my pre-Thanksgiving show. I was doing a local news station. And guess what? Talking about Thanksgiving and uh, the possible um, dangers of what dogs get into, what they eat. But we will do a pre-holiday show before Christmas and Hanukkah so we can talk about all of those things just to keep your, our pets safe during that festive time of year. Because you know what? When something happens to our pets, it ain't so festive anymore. So we want to make sure that everyone's, is, everyone is going to be safe. So anyway, I got a, a call this morning on my air vet. And, um, and I'm going to show you a picture of this ear. So the complaint was that the dog had an ear infection and owners were treating it and doing it was definitely in check. And then for the last couple of days, the dog was starting to act really strange. The dog's name is Pepe. Act really strangely. Didn't really want to eat. Was very sluggish. Didn't want to move around that much. And I'm thinking to myself, I've seen thousands of dogs with an ear infection. And usually it's not so bad. 
that they get this type of uh, symptom. So um, in my mind already, as I'm listening to the history, I'm already thinking, okay, something else might be going on here in addition to the ear. So let's not, you know, we got to take the blinders off. We have to start thinking just ear because it, you know, who knows what else could be going on. Anyway, the owner, John, sends me a picture of the ear and I'm going to myself, oh my gosh, this is really bad. I'm going to show it to you. See if you can see it uh, up close and personal. And that is one ugly ear. And it's got, you can see it's got all these red spots and it's ulcerated, it's thickened, and this poor dog is miserable. So all of a sudden, then they also, one of the symptoms they tell me is that the eyes are flickering back and forth and the eyelids are twitching. And I'm thinking, oh my God, that's nystagmus. Nystagmus is a vestibular insult. And sometimes it just happens on its own. We call it idiopathic vestibular disease, IVD. And we got to be careful with acronyms because IVD is also used for intravertebral disc disease, IVDD. So um, anyway, with this, it's uh, idiopathic. Idiopathic, what does that mean? Idiopathic means we're a bunch of idiots and we can't figure out what the reason is, the underlying cause. So we call it idiopathic. It means the underlying reason escapes us. We have no idea. It just happens. So it's idiopathic vestibular disease. And the good news typically of idiopathic vestibular disease, we know it's some sort of upset with the middle and inner, inner ear, which controls balance and equilibrium. And also when the inner ear gets infected, it causes some vestibular disease. But typically with IVD, we just don't understand why. But it goes away. It goes away on its own. And um, in essence, what happens is the dog's world is spinning. His, his equilibrium, instead of like this, is kind of like this. He's on an angle. So he's got to walk around like this. And then he keeps circling and going in circles and they can't stand up because they keep falling over. It's, it's really terrible to watch. But when I saw the ear and listening to this, the symptoms, I'm thinking to myself, wow, maybe because the ear is so badly infected and ulcerated. And now he's got the twitching, which we know is ear related. Maybe he's got the infection got through the tympanum, which is the eardrum. And now it's expanded. It's extended into the middle and inner ear. And if that's the case, it's obviously a lot more serious. So you just have to keep in mind, you got to keep your pet's ears very clean. It's a one thing that I always, always, there are a few things that I teach new puppy owners or new rescues, the owners of new rescues that, that have adopted a dog. There are some things that you want to get just them so used to that it becomes second nature. One, brushing teeth. Start when they're young, make it fun. Get that toothbrush, get the toothpaste, give them a treat. Just, you know, take your finger at first. Don't even use the toothbrush. Your finger with a little paste, which is a poultry flavored, tasty paste, and rub it along for like five seconds ago. Oh, my God, you're so good. And you give them a little treat, and then that's it. Or give them dinner or take them for a walk right afterwards. Always accompany it with something that's positive for them. So the association they make every time mom or dad comes near me with their finger or that toothbrush and the paste, I'm going to get a treat or I'm going to go out for my walk. So make it fun. Another toenails. First, just start touching. Don't even try to clip them. Just every day, just touch their toenails, right? Go in between the toes and just mess with them and then go, oh my God, you're so good. And give them a treat. Same thing. Treat, walk, whatever the case may be. Again, you're turning into a positive experience. Then when you start learning how to trim, you learn where to trim, how, how far back you don't want to go to get, you know, to hit the quick and start bleeding and hit the nerve. And you just trim one or two and you go, oh my God, you're so good. Again, you're making it fun. You're making it positive. And that's how you get used to it. And the third thing, uh, maybe fourth, you can also talk about grooming. Some dogs hate to be groomed. I don't know why my dogs love it. But anyway, just taking a brush through them, same thing, make it positive, start slow, add a little bit more each day, a little more, a little bit more until they get so used to it. But another big one, ears. And to do ears, you want to get yourself a good ear cleaner. There are many available over the counter. You can get it from your veterinarian. 
and just put it liberally in the ear and smush the ear around really till that stuff starts to sud and, and, and you can hear it mushing around in there. And then I recommend back off. And if you want, give a good blow right in the ear. Lift up the flap and go, why? What does that do? Then they shake their head. And when they shake their head, they'll get a lot of that crud out of there right away. All right. So that's a really good thing to do. Then you want to get, I'm not a big fan of fingers and cotton or fingers and gauze. First of all, I find gauze sponges to be somewhat irritating. It's almost like sandpaper. They just don't like it. Have your doctor, your veterinarian, or one of the technicians teach you how to properly use a cotton swab and where to hold it. I usually hold it about an inch from the tip and use it just gently one swab per wipe. You go in first, try to go without touching anything and then touch the wall and swipe upward, throw it out. Take another one, throw it out. I sometimes can use 20 to clean one ear, but that's the way you do it. You don't want to shove the stuff in. And then if you have to do a second rinse, put more of the uh, ear cleaner in and do it again until everything is coming out fairly clean. Again, as doctors will tell you, your pediatricians have told you, be really, really careful. However, a dog's ear is, the canal is much longer than our little kids. You're true, you can't see. So it's very important to have your veterinarian or technician show you based on your dog's ear anatomy, how far above the cotton swab itself you should be holding the swab with your two fingers, which will prevent you from going any deeper than is safe. And uh, anyway, it's important to keep. And then while you're seeing all the nooks and crannies, you have the tragus, the antitragus, all the cartilages, you can go in and, and clean out all the crud. And then with your veterinarian's help, you want to get a really good ear medication if there's an infection. And if the infection is persistent or it looks really bacterial, and you, the doctor can tell the part to tell the difference between something that's more fungal or more yeast, chromalacesia, and something that's more bacteria, like a Staph aureus, like a Pseudomonas. And then he might want to do a culture. A culture and sensitivity is where they take a swab, they, a very sterile swab, they take a sample from the ear, put it into a culture, and then they send it to the lab. The laboratory grows it, identifies the bacteria, and then it does a test to find out what is the best antibiotic. That's called a sensitivity. And then they give you the results to the doctor, and the doctor puts your pet on the appropriate medication for that specific infection. And when we have chronic urine cases, that's what we have to do. Now, there are a couple of things. If you have a dog, like a Cocker Spaniel or some dogs that are persistently getting severe infections, there are some surgeries that can be done to help some two preventive surgeries. One is called the lateral ear resection, and one is called the vertical canal ablation. Those are really good when you see you're really going to have lifelong problems. It opens up, one just opens up the ear canal, so you can have much better access to the canal itself and to the short horizontal canal. My favorite is the vertical canal ablation, where basically it takes a doggy ear and turns it into a human ear. You create a new hole about right here, and now you have a straight, short spot from the outside straight to the tympanum, much easier to keep the ears clean, and uh, it's a great surgery. And of course, if it's too late for those, like it is in many Cocker Spaniels, the surgery of choice is called a total ear canal ablation, called a tika, and with a bulla osteotomy. They have to go into the bulla, which is sometimes the source of all this infection, open it up, drain it, and, and that, in essence, removes the entire ear canal and the ear. You'll see no hole anymore, no aperture, no opening. And interestingly, you would think these dogs are deaf. Many of them are, but some, the skin on the outside starts picking up vibrations and they can actually hear some things. But I will tell you, I've seen dogs that were miserable, biting dogs. I won one of my old original cases of a cocker spaniel that was the nastiest cocker on the planet. And right after the teacup, bilateral ear resections, this dog became the sweetest dog ever. So what does it tell you? That ear disease can be very painful. 
And when you resolve it, you have a new dog. So um, keep that in mind. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. If you want to get me, you can uh, get me here at Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. You can download AirVet. And when it asks for your hospital, just put in Telehospital. And when you put in Telehospital, T-E-L-E-H-O-S-P-I-T-A-L, and then Dr. Werber will click up. You can click on that, and then you can get me or another AirVet doc 24-7 to help you through a problem, answer your questions, and it's a, it's a great way to get some 24-7 service. And as I said, if not every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. in the West, noon in the East, 10 or 11 Mountain and Central, and you can get a hold of me as well with questions. Send me the questions to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com, and we'll be happy to talk to you, answer your questions, etc. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.